on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Dean Cox again, this time he's in! At the second time of asking, Dean Cox takes Leighton Orient a step closer to Wembley. Carroll. Jonathan Tahue. Capable of anything. Tahue! Equaliser for Leighton Orient! We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orient from each end Lay an Orient from each end well, good evening, everybody, wherever you may be. Welcome along to another edition of the Orient Hour. I'm Andy Gilson in the Brentwood Studios of Phoenix 98 FM. Joined in the studio tonight, hopefully they're sharing the same mic, and it'll be Darren Burrows. Good evening, Andy. Good evening. And uh, Barry Galvin. We are sharing the same mic. You are. Why are we sharing the same mic? For clarity reasons. <laughs> I don't really feel like I want to work too many buttons tonight, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Good evening, Andy. How are yeah, you? Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. I feel a bit lazy. I just want to work one button. You know, it's a lot easier for my <laughs> more like it, yeah. mental capacity. Really, I mean, it's, it's more yeah. to do a bit. Anyway, cut a long story short. It's been a it's been a bit of a traumatic start, hasn't it, to this uh, this season? And uh, we weren't expecting great things, were we? Early on, were we? Um, no. Obviously, there's got to be a period of adjustment, so to speak. We've gone up a level, haven't we? Which we're all aware of. And um, if you're referring to, in particular, the first game, which I believe we were probably all at. Um, I thought, um, if that's what you're asking me, I thought that yep. we, we performed reasonably well. We, we looked like we belonged to that level. You would imagine Charlton will be there or thereabouts this season, although it's obviously first game. They mm. probably had a couple of players that are going to bring in. Maybe we do the same way as a couple of players missing. Um, but I thought we belonged at, looked like we belonged at a level. Shame that we gave them the ball for the goal. But these things happen. But um, I know it's straight away, I don't know about you guys, but... The difference in the, the quality, you know, um, the ball was up, up in the air less, you know, it's pinging back and pinging up in the park less. It was definitely on the floor more. Um, but I thought that overall we could be reasonably pleased with the performance without actually creating any real clear cut chances. Mm. We had a few half chances, but um, yeah, I don't think I came away disappointed. I was disappointed with the result, but not necessarily with the performance. It was that last third again, Darren, wasn't it, really, where we just lacked that cutting edge? Yeah, I think, I think so, Andy. I think we probably. Are, agree with Richie's points I think that we didn't get a shot away Andy in that first game Um, and I think that was a problem that that he highlighted in one of the interviews Um, I think I'm with Barry I think overall I think that first game slightly disappointed in the result last night if I'm honest not so much the result I was more disappointed in the fact that I thought we went 2-0 down 
you know, in the first 35 minutes, first goal was dreadful, terrible mistake by Beckles. You can't, you can't sugarcoat it, can you? Wow. And then, and then, uh, in all honesty, I don't like it when managers and I'm first, I've probably ever criticised him because he's still the Messiah after all. But I don't like it when managers come out and say we were better in the second half when you two 0 down in the first half. I don't like that. Mm. Game over, really. If you're uh, not yes, Andy. Yeah, but uh, you know, the, the, the thing is. I don't know. I mean, we can't read too much into it too early on. The the problem I see they've got is it isn't a technical side, Barry. Um, when you're coaching, uh, you can improve a player's technical ability, you know, etc. But when it's mental, it's a bit more of a difficult problem. And you've got players that are switching off and are not uh, concentrating. And that is the that is where the goals have come from. Yeah, I mean, it's all part of the game, isn't it? Obviously, you have to be mentally strong. You have to be um, prepared to to dig deep sometimes, but you can't coach, you, you can't allow for mistakes if that's what you're saying. No, you, I mean, mm. people should be switched on at all times, but it happens at the very highest level. I remember, um, I don't want to single anyone, I'm going to single someone out. John yeah, Stones, when we went out of the um, World Cup semi-final, switched, just watched the ball for half a second, you know, World Cup semi-final, mm. and it cost us the goal against Croatia. So it does happen at every level, um, but um, it's something that you have to deal with. Psychology is a big thing in sport. Um, as well as obviously the players' physical abilities. Yeah, what you what you don't want though is is getting a reputation, and uh, we're not going to pick on you know in particular, but we all know there's been an individual mistake for for the goals so far this season. Even though it's early doors, we used to have a player called Colin Foster. I remember back in the eighties, and uh, he, he ended up at West Ham. But Colin would give the opportunity at some point in the match, however good he was technically, and he was better than the, those around him. Mm. He would give an opportunity up. And when we played superior opposition, of course, bang, goal. And I don't think he earned a reputation for somebody who was going to be, you know, if you keep at him, he'll make a mistake. Now, we, what we don't want is, you know, getting round that if you keep on certain players, they will give you something. Well, they might have to learn fast. If that's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I have to be honest, guys. I think the bigger concern I have is, is not that individuals will make errors. And I, you know, Agree that of course they will. But I think the problem is we've got injuries at the top end of the pitch, and the, the lack of chances we create in both those games. Um, more, more um, probably Charlton in terms of than, than Plymouth. I, I wasn't really worried about the result of Plymouth. It's a free hit as far as I was concerned. If we got something out of it, but uh, I, I think we've got to get a forward in and quickly. I know the club are trying. I know they've been linked with the guy up at um, Harrogate, Armstrong. Uh, but then I've heard Wrexham are, are also linked with him, so I think yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll play Wrexham. <laughs> Barry, yeah. get to the mic, sir. So, so yeah, I think I think I think I think we need a forward, Andy. I think we need a forward, Barry. No, I was just chipping in. I've never heard of Wrexham, you know, just, oh, um, right. from from the crowd kind of thing. Yeah, oh, right. they've probably got a bigger budget than us, I imagine. But if all things being considered, but mm. yeah, I think um, I think we did have a dumb touch, but I think we did have a shot in the second half, um, and didn't we? But the keeper parried it to his left. Yeah. I think late on, so oh, we yeah. did have a couple I mean, of shots on goal. But yeah, the, we don't have a focal point. I was quite pleased with Piggott's overall play and his hold up, and he does bring other players in, and he knows what he's doing. He certainly knows, but he's certainly not. The, uh, to use the, the, the state old phrase, Fox in a box. He's not the uh, goal sliding in from six yard kind of player that we've probably missed since the mm. same Macaulay Bond. Yeah, I, mean, I think we've got to draw a breath here and, and realise, you know, he's, he's quite a stiff task. The, the opening fixtures for us are probably. Well, yeah, we've got Pompey yeah, on the. Yeah, I mean, it's as difficult yeah. as it could get, really. I mean, you've got, you know, Chartner, an established side, bigger than us, let's be fair, bigger club than us, and they're one of the fancied sides to be there or thereabouts. Plymouth. 
you know, a division above us. And you've got Pompey, a bigger club, once again expected to do very well this season. So the opening three fixtures... Yeah. It would be no surprise if we got nothing from them, but it'd be great if we can get something on Saturday, even if it's a point, something on the board against a, you know, a much fancy club. But uh, you know, I, I just think people have got to be a little bit patient because we're asking yes. a, a, an entire squad that's going to come up a big level, and you're looking at about a 25-30% improvement in, in, in quality. So they've got to adjust, and you've got to give them a little while to get used to it. I don't Definitely, mean forever, yeah. but you've got to give them half a dozen games. No, to that's get, right. It's, get it's important there. not to, to, you know. to you know to make summary judgments after two matches. And yeah. we have got to adjust to this level. I th- do think, from what I've seen, we'll, we'll be okay. I mean, yeah. time time will tell. But we don't want to jump on a bandwagon of oh, we're terrible. We need this. We no, need we're that. Not. We, we no. We're, no I'm saying as, as, a, as a fan base, we don't want to do that. There'd be, there'd be but it would be three. nice to get a good performance in Saturday and maybe something on the board. Yeah. Um, Portsmouth have to come to us and. We are champions of the league below. Um, they didn't end the world season that well. They always disappointed the league one a little bit the last few seasons. Mm. I think they're sort of third or fourth favourites this year, aren't they? So it'll be a tough match. But then afterwards, you're going to have a run of games where you're playing teams. Don't, well, I keep saying Donald Singer out. And I thought Port Vale, who got hammered on <laughs> yeah. on Saturday, they won't be happy. I mean, at least we didn't get out as an opening day fixture, 7-0 away. Yeah. They did win last night, I think, didn't they? Or did they uh, in the cup? Don't ruin it. Don't, don't ruin it. <laughs> That's my job. But, uh, no, I mean, in all, all seriousness, I mean, I'm sure one or two players... It will be easier fixes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of, some of the players won't be able to make the, 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 the jump. Um, that, that would be just the, the nature of the beast, I'm afraid. But I don't think, that, you know, Richie Wellens is not going to hold back, but he is going to be that balancing act of being fair and giving the players an opportunity to be able to, to try and step up that level before you say, right, well, he's not done it. I thought he would, but he, did, he didn't. Yeah. And we've got to replace that player. And the club's got a contingency uh, plan. It's got a contingency fund. And the one thing we won't be is we won't be getting relegated. I'll say it now. They'll do whatever it takes for that not to happen. But it's whether or not we can finish in the top half of the table. Well, we've, I think we've said before, I don't know if it's been mentioned on this show, but the, 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 uh, the middle eight is where we're, um, to use a musical yeah. phrase, is where we're aiming. Um, if we can be at the top half of that middle eight, fantastic. If we can be at the bottom half, then OK, mission achieved. But what we don't want to be is in the bottom eight and looking over our shoulder. And like, like you, Andy, I'm confident that won't happen very early in the season. We've got some good players. I mean, yeah. like... You know, I do tend to look on the brighter side. I try and be realistic. But every player that comes on to me, I think, well, Jordan Brown, yeah, great player. I mean, He's coming on. This one's coming on. That's coming on. They're a good player. It doesn't make a good team. One but, league match, Bell. And yeah. if you looked at some of the message board comments, I mean, we'd all be buying the headband and the, and the Harry Carey kit, wouldn't we? I yeah, mean, but it's the, a one the, league match, God. Well, it's the, it's the complaining thing, isn't it? Yeah. People that could... The, 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 People that complain, complain the loudest, don't they? Rather than people that, are, you know, don't really have a, a, a one opinion one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, let's give it at least three games before we start doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure all the windows are closed. <laughs> we're on the ground floor. We're the, all the, right. The voice of reason. Yeah. All that I'll tell you what we'll that's do. What football, that's what football fans like to do. Let's, let's hear let's what Dave Victor's got to say of proceedings so far. Despite the result, there were plenty of positives to take from Lake Knight's first match back in League One. Solbrin impressed, both with the quality of his shop stopping as well as his distribution. An exceptional first half save prevented Alfie May from scoring on his Charlton debut. Darren Prattley and Idris El Mazzuni fought hard and just like last season, they combined well to ensure that the O's were in the Charlton half for a high percentage of the game. And it was great to see over 3,000 audience supporters celebrating the O's return, over 18,000 in South London. That's a higher attendance than any other match played at the Valley for all of last season. 
In his pre-season preview, Gabriel Sutton claimed that Charlton have one of the strongest midfields in the division. On Saturday, I thought it was a battle that the O's won. We know that at a higher level, mistakes are more likely to be punished, and that was the case just before half-time. A psychological blow, as well inside, appeared to have started to find their rhythm. We rarely tested the goalkeeper wearing the mask of Zorro. Ashley Maynard Brewer couldn't hold Theo Archibald's first half strike. And it was young substitute Charlie Pegram who forced a save from the addict's keeper in the closing stages. Again, he didn't look comfortable. Charlie has impressed in pre-season. I'm looking forward to seeing his progress during this campaign. It was good to hear the minutes applause before the great late Chris Bart Williams before kickoff. He'll always be remembered by the O's and the Addicts. Despite enjoying so much success under Richie Wellens, the O's have yet to progress beyond the first stage of any knockout competition under his guidance. On the face of it, it was always going to be a tough ask at Plymouth. Argyle haven't looked back since Stephen Schumacher took over from Ryan Lowe back in December 21. Under his leadership, the Pilgrims have returned to the Championship after a 13-year absence, and they did so in style, amassing over 100 points. As at Charlton, the O's were again punished for individual defensive errors, and although there was a marked improvement after the restart, we again failed to create enough clear-cut chances and never looked likely to recover from the two-goal deficit, as we did three years ago against the Pilgrims to set up their ill-fated third-round tie against Tottenham Hotspur. As ever, Richie Wellens was forthright in his post-match analysis, demanding a return to the strong work ethic that was the foundation of last season's success. Next up, and it's Portsmouth who come to Brisbane Road, determined to build on the boost of their cup victory over Forest Green and having come from behind to take a point off Bristol Rovers at the weekend, they should have their confidence high. I'm looking forward to seeing how the new pitch plays and another full house at Brisbane Road. Exciting times for our club. Thanks very much, Dave Victor, for our first uh, Victor's view of the season. And uh, Dave making some important points there. Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Annie. I, I think, uh, look, it's a long season, as we've said, yeah. It's, it's, it's one game, one result, or two games, two results. I think um, picking up on sort of some of the points, really, that we'll cover later on, the, the, uh, and then what you just said, Barry, we, we, we don't fear uh, relegation based on what we saw at Charlton. No. Yeah. But you know, life has a habit of binding you in the backside when you make bold statements. So we've, we've you know, talked cheap. We've got to make sure that they go out Saturday, they're on the front for it, that they've got to play higher up the pitch, in my opinion. You know, that's just, just my opinion. I might be wrong about that, but I, I felt that there were times where we weren't getting the ball higher up, up, up the pitch, certainly at Charlton. So... I think I think we'll be okay, not you, Andy, but it's a long season. Yeah, as I say, we, we, we'll move on uh, and we'll uh, listen to the Kent Teague interview, which uh, took place a, a couple of hours ago. And uh, Billy Herring, our Darren here, and uh, also Grant Conway uh, were talking to Kent. And you'll hear also uh, Tom from uh, Late Night will chip in as well. But uh, here's the interview then, Billy Herring and Kent Teague. Okay, we are joined today by Orient's principal investor, Ken T. Ken, how are you? Doing very well, doing very well. Wish wish we had better results the first two matches of the season, but still doing pretty well. 
Well, let's get into that in a second, Ken. Obviously, uh, talk to us about the end of last season. Obviously, the last time we saw you um, was the end of the season. We were celebrating. Um, how's your summer been since then? Um, how you know? How have you and the players and the squad celebrated and stuff since then? Um, I I'm not I'm not sure if I want to talk about how the players have celebrated <laughs> since then, but um, you know, I still do not believe what we have accomplished, to be honest, even though I've seen a match in League One, which is fantastic, um, at Charlton. Um, you know, I spent most of the summer still very, very high uh, from all that we had accomplished. And as most people know, I was in the UK or I was in London the last three weeks of the season. And it was just one of the most phenomenal times in my life to get promoted, even though they cut the power or we cut the power, that's still some subject of misunderstanding. I think, um, you know, Gillingham and then at, you know, at home and we win the league, then we set the points total. Then they present us with the trophy. And uh, I also went to Sutton before uh that 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 away match so for me to get to go to five matches and be a part of it um it was just thrilling and i still feel phenomenal about what we've accomplished in the last five or six years i was going to ask you about that because see it's such a huge change from the first game you would have seen in the national league to where we are now back to where we were originally how have you found that journey? You know, like, obviously, you know, from the National League to playing in at Charlton's ground, which is obviously one of the biggest in League One, you know, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal journey, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because what you do is you say out loud, oh, I believe we can get there. I believe we can get to League One. We have kind of a plan. We We can make it work. We make it work. The very first thing I said at Gillingham when they said we've been promoted to League One was, I can't believe it. I, I cannot, I can't believe it. It was so, it was so great. But, you know, the journey is full of ups and downs as all uh, things are when you accomplish something. And when you go after and you try to accomplish something like we've accomplished, it's not just a straight line from here to there. There are a number of bumps in the road, and I think that's what makes it so amazing and makes it so memorable. I mean, I don't ever recall a time in the club's history where we've had so many dramatic things happen over the course of such a short space of time. Obviously, we've had two, releg two promotions, relegation, you know, we've, we've lost a manager, um, you know, um, in situ, I mean, it's been an incredible period that you've experienced uh, since you've since you've taken over the club, yourself and Nigel. Um, uh, as far as it goes with regards to the rest of your business experiences, how would that? How would it fit with that? Well, I was really lucky to be at Microsoft during the golden age of Microsoft, and you know, I, you know, I saw us go from about. Uh, probably 10,000 employees, about 70,000 employees. The stock doubled every eight months and I was paid mainly on stock. Um, 
and I've built businesses and sold businesses and, but the accomplishment at late Orient is so significant because it's so public. Every match is a public display of competency, according to fans and they're right. And so the thing is, is that, you know, as an owner or as a director of something like late Orient, the spotlight is a little bit different. You know, there's no supporters club for lineal, no offense, but there's no supporters club for lineal. And, and so I think that the reason that it's so much more valuable uh, than a lot of stuff that I've done in business is because of the pub, the public piece of it. And there's also this thing that instills so much fear, which we've already got now uh, this season, which is the fear of relegation. And I don't think that Americans or American owners of sports understand the downside terror of relegation to a fan base. And I do, or I think I do. Um, and so I think that that also helps make it just so much greater when you win two leagues and, and get promoted twice and do what we've done. That's an interesting point you made there. Does that ever come up when you, because so you talk to a lot of investors and things we've had, we've got American investors that have come in and stuff. You know, does that ever come up in conversation where they go, well, hang on a minute, we can go down. Like, does it obviously, because in American sports, there isn't really relegation, is there? Right. So I, so this last weekend, uh, maybe two weekends ago, I was on the sports talk radio of Dallas and they asked me, what is the biggest difference between owning an American franchise pro sports team and an English football club? I said, relegation. That's the biggest difference. That we don't have relegation in the United States, and thus we don't have any concept. We don't have promotion either, but that downside risk of relegation, that fear, that panic, that it cannot happen to us that drives a certain style of behavior and a certain style of fan that you just don't have anywhere else. Well, you don't have it in the United States for sure. And can I ask then leading on from that, what, what's your ambition? We've heard from Nigel about the ambition, um, but I want to hear from you. I want to, I'm interested in what Ken's got about to say about the ambition for, for Lake Orient. My, my ambition is the same as it was or has been the last eight years. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, you know, six years. I think that we should be ambitious enough to put ourselves in a position where we're in the championship. And what that means is just like we had to go from National League to League Two and League Two to League One, I think we are three or four years, um, and that's kind of what the stated objective is. Now, this is how this really works. Let me talk about how it really works. How it really works is that the club has to put in the infrastructure in order to be a championship club. 
And the second part of it is like, I will say out loud, my expectation for this next season is 12, 13, 14, 15 mid table. When people start talking about 20, mm -mm, I'm not interested in 20. Not, I don't have any interest in 20 or 19 or 18 or 17. And the reason is, is because I want to go into the supporters club and not be abused. Just <laughs> tell it like it is. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I can assure you, if you go in that club and anyone abuses you, let us all know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I wouldn't blame them if they abused us, if we're in 20th place, right? I'd be like, yeah, I'm scared as shit too. Anyway, so... So that's how that works. But then what we do each season is we give Richie the tools and the talent and Martin Ling helps with this. And what we do is we make it to where Richie can say, well, that's the board. You know, that's their level. That's kind of what they want. But Richie will often, because he is this, he will want to overachieve on any objective that we set for him. So that's the disconnect between Nigel saying three or four years, championship, mid-table, all that, and Richie saying, well, we might sneak ourselves into the playoffs. That's Richie motivating the players and setting an expectation slightly above the board knowing that he has the ability to navigate between those two. We put a floor underneath him and then he has the ability to climb higher if, and the players have the ability to climb higher if they desire. Same thing ha happened last year. Me, I thought we were going to make the playoffs. We didn't. Oh, I was wrong. <laughs> so all the, good. The, the prospect of uh, further successive promotions is not impossible. You look at Luton Town's example, it can happen with a club of a similar size and their journey is perhaps even more dramatic than ours. I don't know whether you know much about it, but they were effectively a premiership club, I think, 15 years ago. They they were in administration, huge points deductions, and yep. going non-league, and then they've gone all the way back up again. And Correct. well done to them. So yep. a lot of us, the, the dreamers amongst us, do think, you know, why not? But we, but a lot of us are realists, and we do understand financially the impact, as well as the fact that we do need the infrastructure within the club to be able to sustain championship football. But if we got up there and we had a season in there, we'd love every minute of it. Yeah, and absolutely. If it, only... if it, even if it ended in a relegation, you know, then I think we'd rather have that because it can always give you the parachute to then go back again when you've been up there. I know you wouldn't want that. None of us do. We don't want to get relegated out of League One. But believe me, what? getting relegated out of League One to Two is nowhere near as bad as going from Two to the Conference uh, to the National League. No, believe totally me. agree. So two points on that. Number one, Luton Town and Leighton Orient now share history we're the only two clubs to get to league one in the modern era by winning both national league and league two it's a good start like that we're the we're only other that. one we're the only other one luton town did it and us nobody else has won two championships to get to league one wow so we're in rarefied air let's just put it right 
And, you know, so second thing is about that is I do not believe, this is me personally, I do not believe that it's a good idea to have a yo-yo emotionalized fan base. Y'all are already insane enough. Now you want us to be a yo-yo club? Have you lost your mind? But it's a lot more exciting than in America. No, I don't, no no, no, I don't need any more excitement in my life like that. No, 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 no. The thing, the thing is, is that we need to build a club where there's less drama and there's less emotion. Y'all already bring enough of that to the table. And, and, right. orient, and there'll always be I understand. I get that it's Orient, but we don't need to be Orient the Yo-Yo Championship to League One Club. I'm not, I don't know about that. I mean, I guess we can think about it or I don't want to try it. But anyway, we'll see. Inevitably, when we talk about infrastructure, the first thing that comes up is about the capacity of the stadium. Um, <clears throat> is there, obviously, I know we've just extended the lease on the stadium for another 20 years to sort of uh, secure our um, secure ourselves there. Um, there are always questions whenever we put things out to the message board, things like that, about us moving to other grounds and stuff like that. Um, I will just take one specific one, which is from Oreo. This says, uh, is moving to the National Hockey Stadium a viable option for us? And would it remove our growth, our crowd growth concerns? Okay, so the National Hockey Stadium would be a perfect spot for Leighton Orient. I we don't know how impossible or possible that is. We have had conversations in the past. I remember I don't know if I should admit this out loud, but I walked from Leighton Orient ground to the Athletic Stadium to watch a Premier League club that starts with West and and then something to do with pork. Can't remember what it is. But anyway, so and so we walked past that stadium and I was like, man, that would be a great stadium. So that's that could be an option. There are a number of areas or land locations throughout the borough and in other boroughs, but this was all just dreaming. Now it becomes reality. The reality of us being in the championship and having a 10,000 seat stadium is something that needs to be looked at. So now the seriousness of the stadium, the seriousness of the training ground, it all becomes much more serious and much more interesting because we're in League One, not in League Two, and not in uh, in the National League. And so those are things that we've been thinking about, but we haven't really acted on because we weren't in a position to really act on it. But now that we are, or we feel like we are, those will be things that we'll be having conversations about: stadiums, training grounds. It's adding on to the ground we have. There's going to be a lot of you guys are going to love talking about all that on the message boards and 
I heard a rumor that they're moving Leighton Orient to Dallas, Texas. I can't – let's get that one started. So that'll be good. Is that, um, is that one of the reasons you've employed uh, Mark Devlin? Because obviously we know that he was instrumental with uh, Brentford in um, – oh, you're shaking your head at me saying no, no, no. But yeah, obviously the talk, on the, the talk amongst the fans, as you say, as is always the way, when Mark Devlin was appointed, one of the first things, well, he helped Brentford get their new ground. So therefore, maybe that's one of the reasons that uh, he was appointed to, uh, to the role of CEO. No, 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 no. See, Leighton Orient fans are great at conspiracy theory. Here's the thing. We hired Mark Devlin because he's Mark Devlin. He's got lots of experience, lots of different places he's been, lots of information that he brings, a lot of credibility that he brings to our organization. Again, this is that layer of infrastructure that we put in so that we know that we could maintain being a League One club right, from a League Two to a League One club. And he's a piece of that, uh, you know, infrastructure. So, yes, I know about Mark. Yes, I know about Brentford. Yes, I've been to the Brentford training ground. And, yes, I've been there with somebody named Dean and, you know, all that, right? So I got all that. But the reason we hired Mark Devlin was to make sure that Leighton Orient was a more viable club. And – his experience and the things that he's done and all that, yes, he will bring that to bear. Um, but I don't know that we're going to walk the same path as Brentford or, you know, Luton Town uh, or, you know, whoever. We're going we're, we're gonna to find our own way. Let's see where we go, I think. As we should. Ken, moving you off, off the stadium onto something more probably you may or not know the answer, depending on whether you spoke to Martin today. Um, we need another striker, don't we? We've got some injuries. And uh, is there any any update? Are you in a position to give us an update on on that situation? Which he said we're looking last night. Yeah, we're looking. I um, I don't I don't I don't have an update as of today. I haven't I haven't been in contact with no, them. Fair enough. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, it, it would be a miss for me not to ask. Yeah. No. 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 I. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I sit on the Fane Football Committee. And most of the time they tell me that whatever input I have doesn't really work because of my accent, but because they don't think I'm credible, which I get, it's all good, but they think Nigel's credible. So that's good enough. Um, and, you know, I don't know of a single time in the last six years, a single week when someone didn't say something on Twitter, like we need X. We need a number four. We need a finisher. We need a holding midfielder. We need, now, luckily we haven't needed a new netminder in the last couple of years. But, you know, always got a need. And since the window's still open, what are we going to do about it, right? And so, yes, everybody, I mean, everybody can see it. We had a long-term, kind of a long-term injury. I think he's out about four or five months. And so, yeah, yes, Richie, yes. And we're having conversations with clubs about loaning us a player and all of that. They've got a list. It's about this long. It's got about six or eight names on it, contacting the clubs. Everybody's trying to figure out, like, 
are they going to stay? Are they going to move? Are they going to be loaned? All that. So we're just kind of at the tail end of that dog right now. So we will get, we'll probably get another person in before the end of the, you know, the transfer window and, and we'll be fine. I was going to say that must be a bit of a nightmare for yourself and, um, and, um, the transfer committee obviously you set yourselves a budget and then you make you know you make your signings and you know Dan Aguilar was quite a marquee signing I would I would say you know you know yeah. when we played against him last season I don't think there was a single person in the stadium that said we wouldn't want to sign him right 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 sign him everyone's delighted over the moon and then within before we've even got a chance to really see him play he's out for five months are you then looking around, scratching and looking behind the city and trying to find an extra hundred grand? You know what I mean? How does it how does it make you guys feel from a from that sort of perspective? Or do you plan for these things in advance? We I would <clears throat> plan is an interesting word to use. I think we respond to things that happen as opposed to we react to things that happen. So we had a list. He was at the top of the list. He came. We still have the list. It's not like it's not like we say, well, let's just burn that list. Done, right? So we still have the list and we still have the positions and, and all of that. So it's it's this is just football. If you don't want to be in football, then you don't have to be. And you don't have to live with the variability of injuries. I remember when, you know, there's so many, now I act like I know stuff about Leighton Orient, like I've been around for so long, you know, but I remember a bunch of hamstring pulls in the national league and we were all, you know, it was crazy. I mean, so yes, injuries are a part of the game. They are an unfortunate part of the game. Primarily they are an unfortunate part of the game for the player. And you know, we just have to respond to things that happened and, you know, do the best we can, you know, and that that's just that's just what we have to do. And have you um, have you spoken to, you know, Dan being new to the club or anything like that? I don't suppose you've had much of a chance to meet him and, and speak to him. Dan Aguilar, that I, haven't, yeah. I, I have not met him and I haven't spoken to him. I will on Friday when I go to the training ground, if he's there. I don't know. I don't know that he'll necessarily be in on Friday, but I hope, you know, I've got nine or 10 new players to meet this season. So, you know, and I, I haven't talked to any of them yet and hadn't got to meet them yet. So from that, Kim, we can expect to see you um, getting dogs abused on Saturday in the sports club by the sounds of it. It's, it's, uh, you'll, you'll be over by the sounds of it. Uh, my wife and I will both be in the sports club. We'll, we'll make sure the dogs abuse is kept to an absolute minimum in front of your good lady wife. Uh, <laughs> it, it won't be happening after a, a comfortable 4 0 win. All, all I ask is that you treat my wife with the respect she deserves. I'm not even going to talk about what I deserve. I'm just going to talk about <laughs> yes, you, you, you both know you'll get full respect for Labour. <laughs> so, Kim, I've got to ask this. When we first met you, you couldn't get your head around drawers. Have you now got your head around drawers in the... Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. It's ridiculous. Dumb. It's just stupid. Um, in all seriousness, then, what would you put in place of it? If we, if you didn't want the game to win in a draw, would you want to see penalty? Well, here, here's the thing. I don't know if you know, but my last name's not FIFA, so I don't get to. <laughs> okay, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, I love to hate draws, but 
it is a part of the game. And I see where it can be a really strategic part of the game. Um, you know, getting the point away, all of that. And I've never, I mean, I love to act kind of crazy about draws just because I know it kind of tunes y'all all up a little bit. <laughs> um, and it goes with the village idiot kind of moniker, right? Which is the guy's a village idiot. He doesn't understand draws and all that. Which You've is got fun. to move on from that, Ken, because yeah. no one's buying that anymore. Right, no one's right, right. buying that Ken's so, village idiot. So that, you know, so that's all good. Uh, I, I can see where sometimes – you know, draws are a necessary evil, <laughs> but um, there's not really much I would do to change. There are things I would do to change the game. There are some minor things. Like I'll give you an example. I think that if a player goes down in the second half with a potential head injury, they come off the pitch for a minute. Yeah. And the reason I would do that, I've had this conversation with Trevor Birch. Um, the reason I would do that is because I would make it to where nobody gets to act like they got hit in the head. You either really got hit in the head or you didn't. And if you really got hit in the head, then you'll, you'll be willing to take that minute off. And I think concussion protocol should be exercised during that minute on the sideline, that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, that's one of the time-wasting kind of deals I worry about in the game and and that sort of thing. But, you know, the, I, I'm, I'm not going to change it where we don't have draws. That's that's not going to happen. If, if that leads me in um, then nicely, to, uh, what, are, what are your opinions of the new directive where they're going to put a lot more added time on uh, each half of the games for, for time-wasting? And where do you sit with that, Ken? Have you got any views on that? Well, I believe that the way that that should be looked at is that there there should be a sort of targeted band of the amount of time that the ball is in play. Now, I don't think that the ball will be in play 90 minutes, but I do think that there should be a, a certain amount of time that the ball is actually in play. And I think that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure the amount of time that the ball is actually in play is an appropriate amount of time. And I agree with that. How exactly you do that, there's lots of different little tricks and tips that they can do. Um, and, you know, I I know we love to hate referees and we love to hate linos. And I, nobody loves to yell at a lino more than I do from the balcony. I give you, I love it. And Nigel used to be a lino. So I yell at the lino and then I yell at Lionel about going over Nigel about going over and teaching that lino. So, you know, I, I think that they generally do a very fair job. I don't think, you know, I don't agree with every decision they make, but I don't disagree with every decision they make either. So um, I think in general, that's a really hard thing to do. So the fourth official I think is the one who's going to have to figure all that timing stuff out. 
Um, I'm just going to go back to the message board questions. Uh, otherwise, we'll uh, we'll get in, we'll get moaned out for not uh, for not picking them. Um, so, um, red in the face says, um, is the three hundred thousand pound contingency fund referred to by Martin Ling in the recent interview embargoed until January, or would the club spend it now if the right player at the right price became available? Well, if Messi would come for three hundred and fifty thousand, we'd have Messi. But he won't come for three hundred fifty thousand. He needs three hundred fifty million. Um, again, this is a question about how do we respond, and for the right player, for the right deal, for the right situation, all of that, the money is available. Um, but it's got to be the right deal and the right player and the right everything, and. We've still got to figure out what we're going to do in the January window. So the answer is sort of yes and no and maybe all at the same time, because that's a huge judgment call on when is the right time to bring that forward or let it sit and let it wait. I know that in the past we've had um, a really good relationship with various clubs in, in sort of higher divisions and things. Um, I know Liverpool were a club we had uh, good relationships with. Um, but, you know, I know that obviously them being in the Northwest means it's not necessarily conducive to send players down to no. us. Um, but it seems now that we've got a good link with, with the likes of Brighton and what have you. So are there any particular clubs that we are linked like sort of talking to at the moment, Premier League wise or anything like that. I'm trying to think of how many Premier League clubs are on all of those different lists of all those yeah. different people. I would say that we're probably having conversations with half of the Premier League, ten of the twenty. And I'll say this: League One is a better platform for a Premier League under twenty under twenty three to come and play at than the national league. That's all I'm going to say about that. And better than league two. So as our, as our playing group has improved <laughs> in the last five years, um, we are, and we're a London club. So we are viewed as a really solid platform Plus, people really love Richie. Yeah. Um, and they know of Richie and, you know, all that. So, and he plays good football as well. And that's, yep. that's the huge, huge yep. bonus and as well. So, and so we are, we are, I'm not saying that they reach out to us and offer us, you know, their next best greatest thing ever. I think they keep those. But I do think that we are now in a position more than ever to get really talented people out of Premier League clubs and Championship clubs. And can I ask a quick question, please? Just uh, talking about talent, etc. This is a question that I've asked you personally on a number of occasions. Is the dream still the fact that we're going to have a training ground where we have the uh, women's team and the youth teams playing their matches, as well as the first team training? And have we made any? Are we making any progress in that regard? Um, just for an update for the fans. So the so we have made progress in the sense that we have looked at a number of different possibilities for training grounds. Um, we are in a 
very solid conversation about the possibility of a different training ground than the one we've got, but it's going to take us another six months or a year to get that settled. We are very happy with Chigwell. We're not, we wish that the, that Chigwell was closer to the train stop so the kids could get there easier. And I mean, there's all the logistics of that and the women's team and, and all of that. But yeah, the dream is that we have that one place where all of our different, uh, you know, players train together. <clears throat> okay, last question from the message board then. Um, ironically, this is from a baller who calls himself Kent. So I'm assuming it's not you writing to yourself. Um, but um, it's um, a bit of a moan, but it says, having not been able to access the live commentary, despite having a full subscription and also have regular trouble purchasing tickets I online. On I saw this on Twitter too. Okay. Um, can we use the collective experience of the board and the companies that are connected to the board in order to see a really good streaming service that works and also make online booking easy? Um, so there's two parts to that. I signed up and I thought it was pretty easy, but there are, we continue to have some technical challenges, payment challenges, you know, sign up challenges, all that kind of stuff, VPNs, if you're in a certain area code or you don't have area codes, postcodes or, you know, it's, it's a real challenge. I know that Mark is working on that and David Travis has been working on that a lot. And David Travis is really the guy on the board that drives that. That's Nigel's son who works for guy i think <laughs> so um so yeah that's something that we know that we'll continually need to improve um but it's it's also one of those things that's kind of a one off so my request of people is is that they keep putting it on twitter you know directly message me about it and i'll send it over to mark or whoever and we'll get it fixed as best we can Gents, if I can jump in with that as well. With um, I know there's a few people yesterday that had uh, problems with yesterday and Saturday with the it was they have the monthly audio subscriptions and for some reason I think it's close to maybe eight or ten accounts. Um, they for some reason they weren't able to access it. So Anna from our marketing team has been going through that over the last couple of days and she's uh, she's looking at refunds for the last couple of games and we spoke to Stream AMG and they're hoping to get that sorted for Saturday. Thank you. That's the voice of Tom there for those uh, from late Lawrence, for those who uh, were, are listening on the radio and are like, oh, who's that random guy that's just appeared and is giving lots of useful information. So thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. I mean, even, even I remember listening this weekend to Dave Victor and he was like, I know some people are having audio challenges and, and all of that. We're definitely aware of those things. Um, sometimes we can't get it fixed during the game, but, you know, like like we said, we are aware of it and making us aware of it can only help it improve. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you ever so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Hopefully you get to see us, see us get our first points on the board on Saturday. I can't wait. Um, I am so astonished, thrilled, excited, amazed, 
I cannot wait to be in the stadium this Saturday for a League One match and Leighton Orient is playing in that League One match. The impossible will occur this Saturday. I'm so excited about it. Well, we shall see you there, Ken. Take care, mate. We look forward to it. Thank, Thank you, Tom, Ken. All right. Up okay. the O's, brothers. Thank you. All right. See you all okay. soon. And we'll hand back over to everyone in the studio. Take care, guys. Have a good rest of the show. Thanks very much, Bill. And uh, thanks, Kent. And as usual, I I said to Kent, he's always good value for money, Kent, isn't he? We don't pay him anything, but um, he's good value for money, isn't he? Well, I think he gives us enough cash, Andy, don't you? I think uh, (laughs) the money the man's put in. And and yeah, no, he is. He's, he's, um, listen, Kent doesn't duck questions, does he? No, he doesn't. He answers the questions. I'm not sure I, I, I can go with calling uh, the goalkeeper the, the net guard or he called it? Net Netminder. Net, net yeah. The net but no, we'll, we'll, we'll forgive him that, given the generosity and, and uh, what he's done for our football club. Yeah, it's, it's like a trailer for a film, isn't it? He stands between the posts. He is the net minder. But there yeah, you go. That is possibly and, the worst. Uh, no, it's not an impersonation. I don't do impersonations. But um, I'm going to get any voiceover work, will No, no. I was just not. pointing at Darren because you didn't thank Darren for the interview. I saw I was pointing because yeah, you said right. thanks, Bill. You know, I mean, he's, I'm he's, not, uh, thanks, Bill. I'm, I'm used to it. Like, I'm used to being a bit you know, laxadaisical. Yeah, rude. I think so. Yeah, rude. I've been known to be rude. Darren, I thought yeah. that was a fabulous interview. Well done, and Grant. Well done, Grant. Yeah. Thanks, Barry. No problem. Got anything else to add to that? No, no I'm just like I mean, what Dan um, said, um, Kent, yeah, he's, he's very forthright. He's very open with the, with the fans, yeah. which we all appreciate. He'll be there meeting and greeting on Saturday. And he's, you know, obviously, and that's, that's a really good thing. He's still as keen now, seven years on, as he was at the start, because um, none of us knew what to expect, expect rather when um, Eagle Investments got involved. Obviously, Nigel's a fan and we all know where his heart lie. But um, when you've got foreign investors, we all uh, are a little bit reticent, aren't we? And I have to say that Kent has been you know, 100% beyond a club right from the start and continues to be so. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, a good thing that's happened to the club and completely transformed it. I mean, we, you know, when you look at that crowd that went to Charlton uh, on, on the weekend, you know, the second biggest in the EFL, as we, as we saw, uh, you know, we weren't even getting that at home in the 80s. No, it's true. You know. And, and Darren and I know, being of the same vintage as me, um, you've seen a lot of new, new faces there, which is great. You know, I'm not one of those who says, oh, where were you? And, you know, we were losing 1-0 to Maystone. I'm, I'm happy for people to come along, you know. I, I, can't, dis- I can't agree with you. <laughs> disagree. I can't agree with that even more. I love that. No, I love seeing all the new faces. I think it's brilliant. I was on the tube coming home from London a couple of days ago and there was a young uh, lady with two very tiny kids in full Orient kits. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. brilliant. We, we are massive. And he, he, Nigel, and the fans... Uh, on Saturday, I thought I thought we were excellent. I thought the way the team come over and and we we acknowledged it was I was right at the front and looking behind, I could see that stand packed to the rafters. And you're right, three thousand one hundred and fifty-five. Well done, well done us. Yes, let's have a quick Roper's rant, shall we? Leighton Orient fans, and breathe. One defeat in the league, one defeat in the cup to Plymouth. Don't worry, we'll get them again next year. And all of a sudden, there is a mini, mini meltdown. Look, let's get things straight. It's a disappointing start, but that's about it. We were never going to go up after 90 minutes. We were never going to go down after 90 minutes. Let's deal with the Charlton game first. Overall, the performance wasn't too bad. At least 15 Charlton fans have commented to me personally that they thought we gave them a game 
And let's face facts here. If Rob Hunt hadn't laid in their left winger with a precision ball to feet, then we'd have come back through the Blackwall Tunnel with a point. For my money, it was about what you do in and around both boxes. We seem to lack a bit of a cutting edge at the top of the park. And at times, and I say only times, looked a little shaky defending our own penalty area. We have got up to a level that therefore you have to cut out errors that this level will be jumped on from a far greater height than in League Two. Last night versus Plymouth, the defensive fragility reared its head again. And despite a 2-0 defeat, if you look at the stats, there wasn't much in the game. So was it a case of us gifting a victory to our opponents for the second time in three days? There isn't too much to worry about at this stage. The injury situation isn't helping, and that is certainly not our fault. Last year, one of the big pluses in such a successful season was the consistency surrounding team selection. There can be no doubt that picking the same winning side each week is a massive plus for any coach. However, the exact flip side to that is constant false changes do not breed confidence and can see teams lose games simply because players are not that well connected. The mini meltdown, though, on the socials is utter madness. Becks ain't good enough. The keeper don't look all that. Hunt and James are not performing. We need a goal scorer. Yep, already it's glass half empty with some of the faithful and some of the requests or ideas are just plain silly. No way in the world can you sign 13, 14 new players when getting promoted. And even if you do that, it doesn't guarantee any form of stability or success. Moving on to Saturday, it's important in my opinion we get a positive result. A draw or a win isn't going to make or break our season, but as long as we come through unscathed and even more importantly with no more injuries, it will give us a mini boost. Last year we were used to winning, winning and then winning again. And we have to face reality that this year that we're going to have to get used to losing a few. It's how we react to those defeats and of course keeping any losing run to a minimum that will be vitally important. We are back in League One for a reason, and that reason is we deserve to be there for a string of exceptional performances in 22-23. But now it's baby steps. That's why Nigel Chairman, that's why Chairman Nigel Travis has set a three-year plan which is both sensible and achievable. Orion fans, get behind the lads this Saturday and let's get this party started. Up the mighty O's. Thanks very much. There we are. Caught us off guard there, there the old Roper's rant. We were having a good old natter here. We were predicting the scores. Barry? 1-1. One, one. Uh, Darren? 2-1. I'm going to go for 1-1 as well, being boring, and we'll see you next time around. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the match on the weekend. We're not sitting, we're not in town. We're the only one of us around. And nowhere we can be found. But sadly, This is our club, we are proud So sing it up, and sing aloud We were formed in 1881 The and Orient had so begun The old story on it runs We're late and Orient from E10 Whatever challenges come our way The Orient faithful are here to Santa.
This is our club, and we are proud. So sing it out and sing it loud. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. Yeah, you know where we can be found. When Saturday comes again. 